Well, good morning, everybody. Boy, it's so great to be with you. Uh, my name is Alex Grom, and I'm the campus pastor over at our Torrance location. Thank you. I'm looking at all your faces here at Manhattan Beach. Thanks so much for being here today. Uh, of course, big greetings to all the friends over uh, watching this live at Torrance. Did you know that when I say that, people at Torrance, they, it's like a standing ovation. People are jumping up and down. They just love, just kidding. Right? Right? Just kidding. They probably aren't doing that. <laughs> and then, of course, if you're watching this online, maybe it's Sunday morning or throughout the week, thanks for connecting with Journey of Faith this week. So glad we could be one church in so many different locations. Uh, today, we are continuing. We're in week three uh, of a five-week series that we're walking through the book of Galatians. Uh, this book of the Bible uh, is in the New Testament, and it was written by the first Christian missionary that got famous. His name was Paul. Uh, Paul was a person who traveled around the Mediterranean Sea area area sharing the good news of Jesus and starting churches and encouraging others to start churches. And so the book of Galatians is written to a, it's a letter by Paul written to a group of people in the area of Galatia. Uh, Galatia is now modern day Turkey. So it's not just one specific church he was writing to. He was writing to a big group of Christians. And these Christians uh, were brand new in their faith, but trying to live uh, and figure out how to live a Christian life. Uh, And they were under pressure by the religious people of their time around them were being uh, encouraged or burdened with more and more needing to follow certain rituals or celebrate certain holidays or act a certain way in their faith. And the more and more this pressure came, the more they were asking the big question for us in this series, what we're learning from Galatians is the big question is this, what would it take for me to live a real Christian life? Some of us are like, I think I'm a Christian, right, because Jesus has forgiven my sins, but what does it mean to really live that Christian life? Now, praise the Lord, over and over in, these, uh, in this book of Galatians, Paul is pushing all these readers, including us, to head back to a simple version of faith, to not be burdened by the overcomplications of religiosity, but instead really devote, devote ourselves to the simple belief that Jesus loves us, that God rescues us from our sins through what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Uh, So if you're tracking with us, Galatians is actually a a book with six chapters in it, though it's only a five-week series. So today is when we're cramming them together. Today we're going to look at both Galatians 3 and 4. If you have your Bibles with you or you want to do this on your digital version of the app uh, Bible, will you earmark this? Because of course we're not going to read through the entirety of this content, but I'd love for what we don't cover today, I would love for you to read it in its entirety. Paul in this section of Galatians really does does return back to his first uh, thesis, his first goals uh, in the first chapter of Galatians. So some of you might also be thinking, didn't we hear this a few weeks ago? Well, here at Journey, we teach the Bible. And so if Paul is going to repeat himself, then so are we. Um, A lot of this is him doubling down on some of the freedom he wants to invite the Galatian people into. Uh, And actually what he's going to do with them is he's saying, boy, you've got so much stress. You've got so much worry about how you should be living your Christianity, your religion into the future, he actually wants to turn their heads back towards their past. We're going to spend some time today looking into religious history, which is what he was encouraging them to do. Basically, what he's going to say to them is, you've been looking in the wrong place. Um, about 20 years ago, uh, I, I was... Uh, 
a worship leader, and I loved leading worship. I was doing a lot of camp things. I was with this like cool Christian worship band. <laughs> this was like the early 2000s, so it was still cool to be in a cool Christian worship band. Uh, but I, that was who I was. So one time, me and my friend were asked to go lead worship at a very small camp, and it was quite a drive, maybe nine or ten hours of a drive. Uh, but we loved doing retreats. We loved doing camps as worship leaders. So we got in our car for this ten-hour road trip, and we lived in a city, and we were headed towards a camp. And so the the experience was we started on big highways, or what do we call them here? Freeways. Uh, so we were on these big freeways, and then little by little we got to smaller and smaller roads until it was these back country roads, some of them going through the woods. But I remember distinctly that the tail end of that road trip, we, we traveled through what was basically a ghost town. It looked like picturesque Americana, like picture Mayberry or, or Pleasantville, one of those perfect-looking American tiny little towns with just one main street and one intersection with a light. Now the spooky thing was, actually this is good for the weekend, uh, a spooky part of this was it was all boarded up. It was abandoned. And so there was not a human being in sight as we slowly drove through this little town. But for some reason, the intersection traffic light was still working. So as we drove up to it, it turned red. (laughs) And so even though there were no humans to bother us with it, we stopped dutifully at that red light. As you should, if you're learning to drive, this is good church advice, stop at red lights. While we were sitting patiently at this red light, one of the strangest things I've ever seen happened. We're sitting there when all of a sudden a single tire crossed our paths going perpendicular, like boing, 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 and off it went. And me and my friend just watched it go and stared down the road looking at it. And then our light turned green. We glanced at each other and we drove on. I have no idea where that, what, why that tire existed, what was going on. It somewhat haunts me still to this day 20 years later. Now, the reason why I tell you that story is because there was one simple solution I have kicked myself for 20 years for not doing. We watched where the tire was headed, but what we never did was actually look where the tire had come from. Was there an accident that had happened right there and this tire was bouncing past as collateral damage? Was there like one of those like tire hauling trucks that was right there and this one hadn't had fallen off? Was there a, a sentient family of tires uh, and this one had had too much? of his in-laws and was escaping. I don't know. I'm trying to put a narrative around this because it was so strange. What we should have done is not just look where it was going. We needed to, here it is, we needed to turn our heads and look at what had just happened. Now, it sounds ridiculous, but that is exactly what Paul is going to try to do with these Galatians today. He says, you're looking in the wrong direction. He says, "What if you're going to figure this challenge out of how to live your faith, stop looking forward, which is an odd thing to say. You need to be reminded that we need to turn our faces back to our history. So that's what we're going to do today. I don't know if you've ever had to do that, where someone came to you and said, hey, you're thinking about this the wrong way. You need to turn your focus, your thinking in a different way. That's what Paul's going to challenge us with. Specifically, he's going to say to these believers that they should remember the story of two of the patriarchs of the Jewish faith. Here they are. He says, turn your eyes all the way back to Abraham and Moses. He wants to give them a religious history lesson today that we're going to participate into. But before we get to there, uh, at the beginning of chapter 3, he starts with some stern words, some surprisingly uh, stern words. Here's what he says in the opening of chapter 3. He calls them foolish. Oh, you foolish Galatians. He says, 
Who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Uh, Paul starts with this, and now you need, we need to understand, these are his friends. These are people he truly loves. So he's not blowing them off of, you fools. He's saying instead, there's so, such a big problem. Because when I was with you, when I taught you about the faith, I taught you that it is a simple faith. I taught you so clearly that the crux of what we believe isn't our outward works. It is that Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment we deserve. That should be crystal clear to them and to us. But the thing is, the good news is he's saying, listen, even though it's not, you should have gotten this by now, I'm going to tell you again. So that's where Paul heads today. In fact, it's going to boil down into our main point today, which might look familiar for this series. He's going to say, we should firmly plant our connection to God in simple faith. And of course, the key word there is that word simple. Is your faith becoming too complicated? Has become a burden for you in how you feel you need to walk out your faith? Paul, incredibly, miraculously going to call us back, help us turn our heads towards the history which tells us it needs to be a simple faith, a light burden when it comes to walking this out because of what Jesus accomplished. So let's spend some time. We're going to walk through the same history lesson that you can read about in Galatians 3. He has them start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. Here it is. The beginning is God creating humans and building relationship with them. The story of Adam and Eve is all of our stories of God saying, I want to be in relationship with you, but we only make it to chapter two of the Bible before we mess it all up. Before sin, we allow sin to enter that relationship and break our connection with God. Now, again, it's such good news because God was not satisfied to leave humanity in that state. And in the Old Testament, we can read these stories. It actually starts in Genesis chapter 12. We read about the first person that Paul wants to point them at, which is this guy in the small. It says Abraham. God chooses a man named Abraham. Not because Abraham is any better or especially good compared to anyone else, uh, but God wants to establish relationship with people. So he goes and reveals himself to a person named Abraham and makes him a promise. So let me read you a clip of the promise that we can read to Abraham from Genesis chapter 12. God says, I will make you, Abraham, into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And then if we zoom forward to the book of Galatians, Paul tells us how Abraham responded. He says, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. He's saying since that very first story, since the very first time God intersected with Abraham, the the measure of a connection with God is not works, is not how we look on the outside, it's not the accoutrements of faith, it is do we have a simple belief that God is in control, that God is the rescuer. Then we go to our next person. Remember I told you there were two people that he wanted us to focus on. First was Abraham. 400 years later, there comes a man named Moses. Moses was additionally chosen by God. God intersected with his life and specifically had him lead God's people for a certain amount of time and gave Moses very specific commandments about how people who are following him should live. Uh, Paul brings up Moses by saying this. Uh, Paul, again in Galatians, says, listen, Galatians, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. 
You received the Spirit because, again, why? Because you believed the message you heard about Christ. He's saying it's about faith. What he's talking about when he's the law of Moses is God came to Moses and through him gave these laws. And actually, let's go back to that. There was a season of time where people who were connected to the one true God had these rules to follow. Now, many of us aren't familiar with all of them. There are many. We're familiar, at least some of us, with the Ten Commandments. You've heard of those? Those are only ten of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of commandments that God gave to his people to live according to his ways. Now the law was good. He wanted his people to follow the law. It helped them understand God's rhythms and his heartbeat. It helped them uh, grow better in character to be more and more like Jesus. It gave them a sense of discipline and fulfillment as they followed these rituals, this calendar, uh, these rules that God established for them. But It also had, when God gave his standard of how people should live, it also had one more purpose. Here's what Paul tells us the purpose, one of them, was of this good law. Paul says the law was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Inevitably, if you try to follow God's commandments, however big or small, even if you only try to follow the Ten Commandments, which would be a nice limited version of it, guess what? You cannot do it. You will, on your own, you will not be able to perform the perfection required to follow out God's righteousness. God alone is righteous enough to live out the law. But let's go back to that slide. For hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, God's people existed under the law or practicing, trying to accomplish the law. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand because the Galatians certainly did. The law was not intended to be different than the promise. The promise of faith, of simple belief in God as the rescuer, is what the law was pointing people at. Now, this is not the end of the story. I told you Abraham and Moses. There's another person, the ultimate person that we need to put on this chart, and that is, of course, Jesus himself. The Galatians and all of us live in this period after Jesus uh, existed. Now, the interesting thing is the Galatians were like right here. Maybe we're far out. Who knows how far that line will stretch. That line stretches until Jesus returns and wraps up all of history uh, itself. But right now, we live in an age where when Jesus came, he did this incredible thing. He, like I said, none of us can accomplish God's standards of living by the law, but Jesus did. Jesus was fully God, fully man, and he he was able to accomplish what no one else did, and his message to us was, hey, listen, I know all of the rest of you didn't accomplish this, but I did. I am the Messiah. This isn't me talking. Don't be confused if you haven't been listening. This is Jesus talking. Uh, I am the Messiah, and I have therefore completed the law. It's over. He put an end to the Mosaic law that was given. It's an incredible change for the people of God because for hundreds of years they had lived under this law. They had been looking at it. The Galatians in particular were so stuck thinking, oh geez, but we still need to follow this law, right? And Jesus and his followers were saying, no, it's done. We need to remember the promise. In fact, here's what Paul says in chapter three, verse eight. He says, God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So anyone who puts their faith in Christ shares the same blessing that Abraham received because of his faith. 
What he's saying is we need to get past this looking at the law, the law, the law, and instead we need to remember, we need to turn our faces, turn our focus towards living a life of simple faith. And what does that mean for us? I actually doubt that many of you, if at all any of you, are so burdened by living out the Jewish ancient laws. You're like, boy, I wish I was doing better at living the Jewish ancient laws. Some of you, like most of us, I would say, uh, we don't even know what they are. Uh, We know the Ten Commandments, maybe. Um, So good news, we're not burdened by that, but we have a modern version of that that's equally reflected in the challenge the Galatians were having in that we do still become people. We trend, our hearts trend towards judging our faith and how we're doing as real Christians by our outward actions. Do we go to church enough? I know we go to church some, but is, boy, is three out of four, is God okay with that? If we, boy, if I did four, to four, four out of four, then would I be perfect attendance? Is that a real Christian? Or how about being part, we, we always talk in church about being part of a small group uh, or serving, volunteering around here or even giving with generosity. Boy, if, if, if you're not feeling like you're really walking out the faith, if you do those things, then would God be pleased with you? Well, here's Paul's message to his people that were going through the same thing. He says to them this. He says, you're trying to earn favor with God by observing, now he puts it in this way, certain days or months or seasons or years. And he says, I fear for you. Kind of an ominous thing to say. But the reason, remember, these are his friends, the people he loves. He does not want them walking around with the burden of religion. That's not God's intent for us to spread this message that God loves you, but you gotta still be good enough. Then he really loves you. Sure, God cares for everyone, but if you don't make it to church, if you don't look like you're doing the perfect Christian walk, then hey, you you, you should be worried. That is not the simple faith that Jesus has invited us into. And I wanna echo Paul, listen, if you've been living in that sort of religion, I'm not saying I fear for you in the sense that you're doing, hey, I'm so sorry that that burden has been something that you're gonna wanna bear. Have you ever stressed a friend out by accident? That's what Paul is worried about here. He's he's saying, listen, I wanna give you a freedom message, not that you have to bear this burden. Um, Before I worked here at Journey of Faith, I worked at a a big church out in Minnesota, and I was a a student pastor. I worked with students. And uh, it was a huge church. So there were 2,000 high school and middle school students in our program. So uh, as big as our church was the the youth group program that I was part of running. Uh, Of course, it wasn't just me. It was many other staff members. Students are really challenging. (laughs) If you do student ministries, I see some of our volunteers today. Uh, Thank you for doing student ministries. We need you in student ministries. It's challenging. Um, But... Every fall in our youth ministry with that big group of kids, we did something special. We would like try to do something unique and interesting as fall came and school started up to kind of just kick off the fall a little bit like we do here at church. And so it was one summer when one of my staff members, she was like in charge of organizing things, she emailed me early in the summer uh, just to kind of say, hey, should we be working towards whatever? So she actually wrote me an email where it was like, hey, Alex, just want to check in the fall maybe six, eight weeks out, are we going to do anything super special that I can start planning now? And I hadn't thought, in receiving this email, I hadn't thought it through quite yet. So I answered in, in a joke. I joked on email. Have you ever tried to joke on email? Doesn't always go great. So I, in my joking, and I was the leader of this big ministry, 
I, the power differential was off. I should have recognized that. But here's what I, I wrote back to her like, yeah, I've got this great idea where we should have elephants uh, in every lobby uh, of our church. We, we had six different campuses at that point. So I wanted elephants in every lobby. And then I said, actually, you know what? In addition to that, I want professional BMX bikers doing a BMX stunt show out in every parking lot. And then I said, and you know what? I also want, uh, I want to do a sermon, a message, where I use an analogy of a strawberry. So I'd like every student that walks in the door to individually receive a strawberry as they're walking in the door. Now, I don't know why, but she totally understood that I was kidding about the elephants and kidding about the BMX bikers. (laughs) But she did not understand that I was kidding. I had no sermon analogy that had to do with strawberries. That was part of the joke. It wasn't until maybe a month later, four weeks later, I get this email. And it was like, I mean, you know it was one of those emails that was hard for someone to write. She was like, Alex, I'm so sorry. I have been working for the past month on this strawberry project. I have met with educators in the area and there are big problems with students being allergic. Uh, there, There might be reactions as we hand them out individually. We looked into getting alternative fruits for those students that might have an allergic reaction, but we had a meeting with our lawyers and they recommended that we don't do that. Alex, I'm, I just humbly want to say, I want to ask that you would move, is, would you consider moving in a different direction for fall kickoff? <laughs> this woman had spent an entire month meeting with lawyers <laughs> to honor my joke. I was making a joke on email. Uh, I had caused her, it was my fault, uh, I had caused her as her leader, as her manager, to, to be struggling for a month. I had put a burden on her that did not need to be there. I have, by the way, made big strides in my life to be much more obvious uh, when I try to make jokes on email, just to be careful, I don't want anyone that burdened that way. Has that ever happened to you? It was happening to Paul. He came to those people and said, here's what I want you to do. Live a simple faith in connection with Jesus. He loves you. And then they were, as he left, they were bearing an an unnecessary stress burden. And he gets to them and he's basically like, I am so sorry. Uh, Because that's not what I want. In fact, remember Jason told us this a few weeks ago. It's what the series is named after. Uh, Simple faith following Jesus. He says, freedom is what I want for you. Freedom that comes from that simple faith. This should be the gauge of are you really living the Christian life? Well, are you experiencing a freedom that comes from a simple faith? Here's how Paul says it uh, in, it's in chapter four now. He says, dear, and again, he remember he started out calling them fools. You foolish Galatians. By this point in chapter four, he says, oh dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom for those things. Be released of those religious burdens, he's telling them. I hope that's good news to some of you who are here today. Maybe you were invited and you ha- are not yet a Christian. You are just trying to explore what would a connection with God look like. You need to hear that it doesn't matter how long your list of things that you've done wrong, you might look at that list and said, there's no way God would love me because I don't even know how much I could change yet. Listen, you need to know that God loves you. He forgives you. And he wants to make a way to be reconnected with him. All that takes is uh, is a humble admitting 
that we do have that list and he wants to wipe it clean. He does not want you to live with the burden of guilt and shame. You can be reconnected with the God of the universe even today if you would choose that. And maybe it's not just for people who are checking this out. Maybe you're a Christian and have been for a long time even. And you're walking around with the burden of performative Christianity, of how you look on the outside as a Christian. You know you've gotten all this hidden stuff packed back in a closet that you hope that no one ever finds out about you. What a terrible burden that must be to walk around with. I want you to know that if you're worried about how you're going to please God, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you have, God could not be more pleased. That's all that he asks of us is a simple belief in his rescue instead of our own. Be free of that burden. Those are the old ways. We, we don't walk around under the, the rules, the set of now. Now, let me just say to you that that doesn't mean we don't have great ways that we can become more Christ-like in our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus, the whole rest of your life is letting those things that you still struggle with or that you have in your past be uncovered, brought to light, so that you can, little by little, through the Holy Spirit, through the collective working together, that we would become more like Jesus, more free, more available to be used by him, living into our identity that we already have as the children of God. Uh, I, I want to leave you with just something very practical. Paul, in these chapters, talks about at least three red flags, that if we're people who are intended to be going and walking into a place of freedom, that we have found ourselves getting caught. He sees his friends getting caught in these problematic burdens that he wants us. So I want to give you three of those. Maybe you want to jot these down. Flags that you can look for that you would say, hey, this is going to rob me of my freedom. Let me show you the first one. I think you'll understand what I mean. Here's one of them. Trying to be perfect on your own. On your own here is the key. Where you cannot, do you know this? If you are a Christian, you cannot grow spiritually under your own strength. You do not have the power to grow closer to God. That power comes from simple faith, simple belief that it's God's power that would fuel us into spiritual growth. So if you have been in a season of gritting your teeth, of of holding your fist so tight that I'm just gonna be the perfect person that God wants me to be, just let that go. It should be good news, you can't do it. None of us can. You cannot accomplish this on your own. Here's how Paul tells this to his his friends. He says, after starting your new lives in the spirit, the spirit that comes only from God, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? You can't accomplish it. This might creep up on you. Where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm attending, I'm doing these things for God, and then all of a sudden you realize, actually, I'm trying to do these out of my own power. That's why I'm so exhausted. If you're feeling that today, let that go. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let, the, let freedom be your fuel for this next step of what God has for you. Here's a second one. This is gigantic. Claiming that you can follow all the rules. May, this is, for those of you who are Christians, maybe this has snuck into your mind where you're like, I'm a pretty good Christian. I think I've got this thing down. Usually we think that in comparison to others. We read something and we're like, ugh. I would never call myself a Christian and act like them. And immediately, a giant red flag should go up to say, you cannot do this. Who do you think you are? Unless you are Jesus, which you are not, 
You cannot be following all of the rules. We're not even intended to do that. Instead, we're supposed to receive the, the commandments, the guidelines of scripture as an invitation to becoming more like Jesus through his strength. You cannot do it. What a wonderful freedom statement. You can't do it. Here's what Paul says to his friends. He says, if the law, following the rules, could give us new life, we could be made with right, right by God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare, he says, the whole Bible tells us that we are all prisoners of sin. We receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. How many times can he tell this to us before we start to understand and believe the way Paul wants us to? Finally, there's one more thing that we need to keep our eyes out, our radar up for, playing Christian for the approval of others. We're a church. We want people to grow in their faith. I think that there's a desire in almost all of us to say, hey, whatever next step, Lord, I want to take that next step. I want to become more and more like you in my faith. Uh, But there does come a point where maybe a friend of yours really is doing well, and you're like, yeah, 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 I'm doing that too. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Or like they're, they're really getting something out of their Bible study and yours has been a little challenging lately but you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm getting it. Oh God, I'm really learning a lot from my, my I'm doing it. Where you are not. <laughs> and we need to be people who are based in humility. Now by the way, Paul's warning for this one is that this happens much more the more Christian you get. The higher, the, more, the longer you live a Christian life. In fact, he pins this specifically on teachers, on people who are, share, who are leaders, who are people who are trying to uh, guide others. He says, be very careful then. Here, here's what he says about false teachers. He says, those false teachers are so eager to win your favor. That's the problem. But their intentions, no good. Now, I'm not, I don't think any of us would say, oh, I am a false teacher, just as he said. We're, we're not worried that we're, but I, I want to tell you that the more you have lived the Christian life, the more we need to be careful. I, I hope you see, this is why most of the stories we tell at Journey of Faith from the, from the platform here are stories of our own problems. Because despite being the person who gets to be up here and teaching you from the Bible, listen, I am the king of sinners, the, the, the foibles, the problems that each of us have in your life, I hope you get opportunity to share with someone because that kind of vulnerability, that kind of real helps us say, well, then what do I even have? Well, you know what I have? I have a belief in Jesus that he's gonna rescue me, that he's going to empower me with his spirit to do the next right thing, whatever that is. Let, let's wrap this up. Let me just show you one more time. Here's what we said today. We should firmly plant our connection to God not in rule following, not in looking right on the outside, not competing with other people, but in a simple faith. We need to do this together. If you're in a place this week as we close now and you're saying, boy, I've been hiding so much. I've been living this life of outward Christianity and I need to reset. A great conversation. That would be a great conversation with uh, someone in your group someone here at church, someone who you would trust to say, hey, will you pray for me? Because I need to return to that promise that God gave Abraham so many, so many, so many hundreds and hundreds of years ago. That the ancient truth that I need to follow God with a basic belief, with a simple, humble faith. I I hope that makes this a place of freedom today. I hope you experience that freedom this week as we go and try to follow God. 
Hey, here at Manhattan Beach and then also over there at Torrance, will you stand with me? I'm just going to close us in prayer. We're going to finish this simple service with prayer and then go out into our, our fun week this week. Dear Jesus, thank you for all of us gathered. Thank you that you have allowed us a chance to sing songs of worship to you, uh, to hear what's happening at church, to, to devote ourselves uh, to your truth from the Bible. And Lord God, now as we get out of here, as we walk through our normal lives, will you be very close to us? Will you guide us into that freedom that you so much desire for us, Lord Jesus? Thank you that you are our hope, not our own goodness, because there's very little of that. But instead, Lord God, in your glory, in your righteousness is where we put our hope. Thank you for loving us enough to be so close to us this week, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming to church, everybody. Go in peace, and we'll see you back next week.